who is your ideal client and send emails out that make sense for that person. So if your ideal client is a stay-at-home mom that is, you know, trying to do whatever it is that you do, like in the margins, it probably doesn't make sense to email her twice a week with this, you know, five paragraph, 10 paragraph story. She doesn't have time to read it. Let me tell you something. If you don't have time to write a story, chances are your ideal audience does not have time to read it. Oh, that's a soundbite. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the stupendous Liz Wilcox. Liz Wilcox is an email marketer on a freaking mission to help more businesses package up their magic and sell through email. She's also a walking 90s pop culture encyclopedia. So clearly she was born to be a guest on this podcast. Liz Wilcox, we just met, but I feel like I've known you for a thousand years because you showed up for this interview in a Simpson sweatshirt surrounded by InSync posters. I am so excited to ask you this question. What do small business owners need to focus on this very week? I think we all need to focus on keeping things simple. I mean, we're recording this. It's October 2021. Oh my gosh. How hard has life been? I don't know about you, but I could spend hours on Instagram and TikTok talking about how depressed I am and (laughs) maybe I have ADHD. Who knows? You know, I just keep seeing all this content from you know, people like millennials about like, oh, everything is hard. It's hard to get out of bed. Even this morning, I, so I have a six-year-old daughter and I'm fostering another 10-year-old. And uh, this morning my alarm went off and I couldn't get them out of bed. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to let them sleep and they can miss two hours of school. Like they clearly need to sleep. Yeah. And so I think as business owners, we need to, just like we're getting this advice to, you know, take rest or, you know, simplify our personal lives. I think we need to do the same in our business. I think there's so much content out there pre-COVID about, oh, you know, take my 10-step system and, you know, follow my six-month program And all of this, and it's just too complicated. I found that in my five years of business, I always tell people now, like, I'm a two-step chick. If it takes three steps, I'm out. And because my personal life is so, you know, crazy, especially right now in this uh, post-ish COVID world, like, I have to keep my business super, super simple. And even when I was starting my business, I was living in an RV without internet. And so I had to keep things really simple. And so what I hope to bring to the table today is, uh, you know, some motivation, inspiration, and some maybe even actionable steps to help you build a much simpler business. I also just want to call out what an amazing mom you are. 
that you were oh, like, you. let my kids sleep. I know that's not the point of this episode, but my parents listen to this show and I guarantee you, hi, mom and dad, y'all never, ever let me sleep in and just had this fabulous like, well, obviously she needs sleep. So commend you, Liz. I'm bowing. A for fostering. That's just incredible. Not that like having your own kid isn't incredible, but also just like way to way to take what you're learning for yourself and apply it to your kids. This is not a parenting podcast, but I just thought that was really freaking cool because that also speaks to how we can nurture our communities, right? Like keeping things simple. One of the main things that I see all the time is just intense overwhelm on every layer of entrepreneurship. Whether people have been doing this for five years like you or 10 years like me or two days or what, you know, maybe they went into this because they got laid off during COVID or what the frick ever, right? But there's this idea of the world is nothing but opportunity, but a lot, it's like minesweeper, right? Like there are so many options, but every other option is going to screw me. So I just have to keep clicking and hoping, I guess. And we all have that kind of feeling of it's all so fragmented and options and options and options. And you're saying, listen, you don't have to build more, go deeper on the simple things. And I really freaking love that in an era where bells and whistles are still so highly prioritized because you're totally right. If you give me a 10, I don't care if it's a listicle on BuzzFeed. If there are 10 items in that, I'm going to read the first three. Actually, no, knowing myself, I'm going to read the first one, number seven, and the last one so that I could say I properly skimmed. Right. Right. But but what I need, what's going to move the needle for me is a direct, swift application of a problem. Yes. And I feel like in a spider web of all of this interconnectivity, that's not going to happen. The problem's going to get lost. So how do you how do we simplify? How do we know what to grow and what to let atrophy? Yeah, that's a really good question. And of course, you know, I just want to caveat, like, you know, your business better than I do. Like, don't everything that I say, this is just coming from the Liz Wilcox lens, right? So I want you to, you know, think of it for your business, your uh, personality, like you can't see me right now, but Annie (laughs) described me like I'm kind of loud and proud. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of the things that I do might not be applicable for you, but I think when I was starting out in my business, I didn't have a lot of space to do that spider web thing that Annie was talking about. And so I really had to, you know, as I'm listening to podcasts like this, watching the webinars, what was that underlying theme that all these people that were doing the thing I wanted to do, what, you know, what was that? And for me, I noticed everyone was saying email marketing. Uh, I wish I would have taken my email list more seriously. I would have been a millionaire by now, or, you know, I would have been a millionaire a million times over if I would have just, you know, taken that seriously. And so when I started my business, I wanted to travel the country in an RV with my family. And so I started as a business. It was a blog. It was an RV blog. Guys, I had never even, I had never even traveled before, but I was going to start this RV blog, right? Like the audacity of it. Perfect. You were untainted. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started this email list and in the email list, I just kept telling people, this is going to be my business. This is going to be how I make money on the road. And just calling it out 
is a way of keeping it simple. Like if you're a service-based business, you've got, uh, you know, no team members, maybe one or two, like whenever you interact with your audience, just calling out like, Hey, I'm going to do a launch. I'm, I offer these types of services and just calling things out. Suddenly marketing becomes so simple, right? Like suddenly it's not this, Oh, how do I, you know, I find a lot of copywriters and other email marketers will, oh, they're always talking about telling stories, telling stories. Um, I don't know about you, but English was hard in school. Telling stories, you've got to have the five paragraphs yes. and the intro and the conclusion. And you better damn well not, you know, introduce anything in the conclusion that you didn't say in that first paragraph and follow up in the middle paragraphs, right? Like that's complicated. So for me, choosing email marketing, I condensed all that storytelling. I was like, what if I just give a personal update? Like picture me, like I'm, I'm grabbing my phone and, you know, I get on the phone with Annie. Hey, Annie, what's up? And she says, oh, nothing, just got done recording a podcast episode. What's up with you? And then I go into whatever the hell I want to talk about. That's the personal update. Her tell, literally just that one sentence. I just got done recording a podcast. That for the most part in your email marketing, unless you're like in a launch, truly selling, you've got to dig into those pain points is enough to make that personal connection people are always screaming at you about. And so that's how I keep email marketing simple is like, I stop telling stories and I just give personal updates. Like I just pretend I'm, you know, this is a phone conversation and right at the beginning, I'm just like, hey, personal update. I just did X, Y, and Z. It kind of sucked, but here I am emailing you because that's what I do on Tuesdays. Uh, you know, <laughs> by the way, what I really want to talk about is this new podcast episode that dropped with Annie to legitimate to quit. Like, check it out. Check you know, we talk out. about X, Y, and Z. I just wrote the whole newsletter, right? Like that took me 30 seconds. I always tell people, if it takes you more than 20 minutes to write a newsletter, like you're really overcomplicating it. Oh, I love, I love and hate to hear that because I think I write emails pretty quickly when I write them, but I will tell you mm-hmm. in public on my own freaking platform, I will be the first person to tell you the, I have severely neglected my mailing list for so long and would have been a millionaire if I had done it right person. Hi. I'm Annie P. Ruggles, and I entirely forget that I have a mailing list, even though I paid good money to set it up and have run ads to it and all this other crap. I neglect my list like crazy. And so sitting here hearing you say, if it takes more than 20 minutes, or it can be conversational, or it can be a personal update, it doesn't have to be so uh, performative, that to me sounds very freeing because I wake up every day with the deep seated knowledge that I'm neglecting my list. Ouch. (laughs) So for me, I think of email marketing and anything that you want to dedicate your time to as a money making activity. Mm. And for me, I chose email marketing because, you know, I was living in 200 square feet. I didn't have a lot of support. I didn't have a lot of money, but damn it, I wanted to make it work. And that seemed to be the highest ROI. You know, you Google it, people say like for every dollar you spend, you should get $40 in return. Of course, that's only true, you know, if you're consistent with it, you're, you know, you're sharing in a relatable way, uh, things like that. So think about your ideal audience, right? So you're, you know, whatever kind of business that you have, you're a copywriter, web designer, whatever, who is your ideal client? 
and send emails out that make sense for that person. So if your ideal client is a stay-at-home mom that is, you know, trying to do whatever it is that you do, like in the margins, it probably doesn't make sense to email her twice a week with this, you know, five paragraph, 10 paragraph story. She doesn't have time to read it. Let me tell you something. If you don't have time to write a story, chances are your ideal audience does not have time to read it. Oh, that's a sound bite. Y'all, did y'all yeah. hear that? If ding, you ding, don't ding. have time to write it, they probably don't have time to read it. Amen. So if you can think of email marketing the same way you think of regular mail, like you go out to your mailbox, you grab your mail, you, oh, junk. Oh, that person moved three years ago. Oh my gosh, Annie sent me something. I'm going to open it right away. It's the same in the inbox. It's the same when you open your Gmail, like, oh gosh, I thought I unsubscribed from that. Why? How did this person get my email? Oh my gosh, Liz Wilcox. She's so funny. I'm going to open that one, right? So think about how to keep how to keep email marketing simple is just think about that and then just go do that. You said the scary you word, Liz. I got a little scared. You said that unsubscribe word. Oh, <laughs> you know what? This is what I think about unsubscribes. So the more, the longer I'm in business, the more I fine tune my brand, right? Like you can't see me right now. I've got this headband. I actually just got a haircut yesterday because I felt like my hair was too long for my brand. Makes sense. Like my hair was getting so... I'm very, people know me for my headbands. This is actually my third business. And when I sold my first business, they literally put in their shop headbands, like in memorandum of Liz Wilcox, (laughs) you know? And so like, it's a thing. And so my hair got so long uh, that when I would wear a headband, it looked like I had a mullet. So I was like, okay, the hair's got to go. It's not part of the brand. But I mention all that because the more you get into business, the more you brand yourself, the more it becomes fine tuned the more you attract the right folks, right? And so think of unsubscribes as you're just fine-tuning. Like you've got this block of marble, right? You're an artist and you're chiseling away and those flakes are falling. (laughs) I just called your unsubscribers flakes. I mean, they might be. We don't know. They're unsubscribers. (laughs) And you you can't be for everyone. And I know you've heard that advice. I'm not the first person to say it. But when you think of email marketing as a money-making activity, when you think of it as every time I send an email, I'm making my brand stronger, I'm attracting my ideal person, those unsubscribes, that will feel like a blessing rather than a curse. Like, oh gosh, I spent so much money building my list or I spent so much time building my list. It's like, well, if they're not going to pay me, they need to get the hell out of here. That's true. So don't be afraid to be bold. Of course, you don't have to share things you don't want to share. I think the opposite of bro marketing is to just be, just explode with your emotions. And I don't, I don't think that's the right answer either. There are some things I hold really close to my chest and I would never email my people about. I would never tell them about, Mm -hmm. but you know, I am a real person. I am fine tuning the brand. You know, like if you're obsessed with the Backstreet Boys and I mentioned Justin Timberlake one more time, you're gone. Like that's okay. Cause I'm not going to change my love for JT uh, just because you like Brian. You know, or whatever, right? We had a pre-chat about you, Brian Luttrell, and Liz and I do not approve. We don't approve. So I hope that I hope that makes sense. It does. It totally, totally does. 
because you're right. It's it's unsubscribes are your list's own way of curating itself to reach the right people and only the right people. And so, you know, I I tried, I went through this whole phase once where I was like, if I'm having fun with my emails, that's all that matters. Like, let's just try and see how mm-hmm. that goes. And so I sent a poll out. And at the end of the poll, when you clicked it in order for me to like tag it or segment it or whatever the crap I was doing, um, I sent them to a bunch of different raccoon videos at the end because I needed to point them to something. So I just sent them like raccoon videos on YouTube. And most people sent me emails back being like, I cannot believe I just watched eight minutes of a raccoon eating chips. Like I couldn't stop watching it. Thank you for brightening my day. Like I got a lot of that. It's like another one who knows me was like, Annie, your obsession with raccoons is really weird. Like whatever. I got an email that was like, this is the most unprofessional, disgusting email I've ever received. Unsubscribe. (laughs) And I was like, the email was really good. I just link out to a raccoon video, like take a little breath. But that really upset me. That really, wow. really upset me for infinitely longer than it should have. I think I held, I held on to that for more than a business week. Like, and it, I think it kept me quiet for a long time. But what's weird about it is that I focused on the one loud unsubscribe instead of the 10 people who were like, oh my God, I did not ever realize that a raccoon eating chips was something I needed in my life. Thank you. Yeah. And if you hear what Annie is saying, she's still talking about it. And so this is something I wasn't planning on talking about. Let's talk about those nasty emails that we get sometimes, right? When we do the thing Liz just said, and we try to be a little bold and somebody, you know, smacks us in the face. Mm and says, no, stay in your lane, or you're unprofessional, or you suck. And so I find, and I can correlate this to real life bullying, like in the, let's think about the 1950s, the 1960s, bullying, you know, even the 80s and 90s, how we grew up, you know, it was like, oh, kids will just be kids, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was this wave in the early uh, 2000s, the, I don't, what do you call them? The 2010s. That sounds so weird where it was like, no, no more bullying. We're done. We're sick of this, you know, and now it's, it's lessened. I find it the same online. There's online bullying, right? And you know, what is the typical advice? Delete the comment, ignore it, delete the email, unsubscribe them, blah, blah. No, I honestly, like, this is, this is where some people, I might lose some people, but I'm not going to absorb that energy. If you come at me, I'm biting back. Like now, if you come at me and you say, oh, Liz, I don't like your framework. I don't like that you, you know, relate marketing to boy bands. Like, okay, that's a personal preference. But if you come at me and you, oh, you know, Liz, you're a bad mom. You should, you know, stay in the kitchen. You should, you know, you're stupid. Something like that. I bite back because I think it's the same as real life bullying. Why bullying was such a thing rampant in public schools. And now it's not as much because we, you know, we said, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. And some people will say, don't, you know, don't engage the trolls. Don't poke the bear. But for me, and Annie just gave a great example. If I don't say anything back or if I just delete it, I'm absorbing all that energy inside of me. And so I I'm the type of person I have to come to my own defense. And so like one time somebody, somebody wrote, I've never told this on a podcast. Somebody wrote me and they said, 
Liz, I can't begin to describe to you how stupid you are. Oh! And I, that was it. You know, you know, dead stop, right? Send. And so I wrote back, (laughs) I said, I can't begin to describe to you what a see you next Tuesday you are. Yes, God, yes. (laughs) And it was, it was a man, you know, his name was like Rob or Lance, you know, it was clearly a man's name. And I, and I kind of recognized his email. So I looked him up in my ConvertKit account and this person had been on my email list for almost a year and had opened and clicked on every single one of my emails. So I was like, okay, Rob, you know, so he comes back. Oh my God. God, you're crazier than I thought. I'm going to put this on Twitter and you're going to be done by Friday. This was Sunday night. And I'm like, you know, even Donald Trump, you know, at the time, our president, like, can say whatever he wants and he's still president. Like, you're not going to destroy me, just some lady on the internet trying to make a dime. Especially because you'd have to out yourself as an asshole in order to give context for that story. Like, okay, Rob, if you want to tell the entire internet that you came after a women-owned business. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Cute look, Rob. Annie, you're so right, because that's what I said. I said, I hope you post it because someone defending themselves against unfairness and meanness will always win in the end. So please post it. It's so wild that you brought up bullying in in relation to this because I'm not a parent and, and I try not to, like, make parenting guesses or anything like that but I do remember once a really long time ago a friend of mine's kid that I super super loved got in trouble in grade school because he was being bullied and so he threw a chair at the bullies and he got in trouble not the bullies he got in trouble because he threw the chair and I talked to his mom and his mom was like honestly it was kind of like fake it in front of the school and tell them not to do it again, yeah. but then go home and be like, good job, kid. Like, because I would have chucked the freaking chair. I don't think I would have as a kid, yeah. but I would now. And that email that you sent back was definitely you throwing a chair when a chair needed to be thrown. It's you get to a point where you can't take it anymore or whatever. Right. And I think when you suppress those emotions, and I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and start cussing at their audience when they disagree, but if you are ever being personally attacked, yeah. I I think it's okay to say like, hey, you're personally attacking yeah. me. And I've done that with people, people who have emailed me saying things, and I'll just email them back. Okay, so this is a, probably a better response than see you next Tuesday, right? <laughs> um, I usually say like, would you, you know, like, hey, I'm just emailing you. I think you were being a jerk. Um, If you, would you actually say this to me face to face? If the answer is no, I just want to ask you to evaluate why you sent that to a stranger on the internet that you signed up for to get emails from. Yes, and have read every single email from for a year, Rob. Right. So that, I mean, so that's usually my response. Yeah. So take that one. The other one, you know, use sparingly, kids. Use sparingly. But, you know, <laughs> if you got to use it, you got to use it. But I think I love the way that you've talked about, like, not taking on that energy because we started this episode talking about 
simplicity and agility and lean and all these things. And taking on all that emotional trauma is not Mm -hmm. simple. It is not lean. It is not productive. It's very disheartening. And, and so, you know, to say, I'm not going to take that energy on, but I am going to stand up for myself, I think is a really good framework, right? Like do, do best by yourself in order to make sure people know that this is not how you treat people. And this is certainly not how people treat you. But then also at the same point beyond that, like move on with your day. Don't take that emotion on because you have people that want to hear from you. So we can't just keep over prioritizing the people that don't. And I I see that now. Thank you for opening my eyes to that because I have cried over many an unsubscribe. And I've I've been doing this for 10 freaking years. Like that is ridiculous. I need I need to sit down for another dose of Liz Wonders these days. But what do you <laughs> think um I want to talk to you more about that idea of of simplicity and and how we can use our needs, our boundaries, our emotions to choose what's essential and what's not. What's coming up for you when I say that? So for me, and you can't see this uh, when you're listening, but Annie can. I just pulled up a sticky note, and this is my definition of success. I strive to be an example of what's possible. That to me is success. And so whenever I go to do anything in my business, I think about my folks. I've got another sticky note here. Email is emotional for your people, Liz. Annie just gave me a great example of, you know, being so upset for a week over an unsubscribe. And I've been doing email for so long. Sometimes I forget that. That's actually something that I was on a live Q&A and it was really busy and I was just, you know, hammering out answers. And someone emailed me after and said, hey, you know, that was a great answer or whatever, but like, it's so upsetting to me. And I had forgotten how emotional it can be. I'm, I can really detach myself after so many years. And so it was a good reminder. So whenever I sit down to create something, uh, to, you know, anything in my business, I think about how is this going to serve my folks? Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, how can I strive to be an example of what's possible And I think what people need the most right now is just an example of how simple, fun things can be. And I know, and I'm not talking about that toxic, like, I'll set up a funnel in four minutes for you. No, 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 that's what I call the cult of easy. The cult of easy is the whole like, work on a beach, be rich by next Tuesday, work in a minute a day. Like, no, we're not talking about that. Right. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about simplifying your system, simplifying your offers Mm -hmm. so that your folks can truly use them. For me, I'm on a freaking mission to make sure you know that email marketing can work for you. So when I come at it through that lens, my offers are simple. My marketing is simple. The way that I list build is simple. My list building strategy is just to get on a podcast, okay? Because I know I've got a message, right? Um, And that's not, and for me, that's not exhausting. If I was trying to run Facebook ads, if I was trying to do X, Y, and Z, that would be exhausting. And then I would, everything is, you know, it's like throwing a rock in a river. It ripples out, right? My offers wouldn't be as good because I'm tired, et cetera, et cetera. And so coming at it from, you know, I want to serve, I'm 
you know, I know a lot of people identify as like heart-centered entrepreneurs. Like if that is true, then we need to keep our businesses as simple as possible, our offers simple, our pricing simple so that people can actually get the thing done. So I have a $9 membership. Yay! It's $9. $9. <laughs> Not 99. Not $909. $9. It's freaking $9 and you get in and you just get a link to a Google Drive and every single week I just send you a newsletter. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed by newsletters, I will literally send one. You, It's not in Kajabi. It's not in Teachable. You don't have to log in because again, I'm on a mission to make sure you actually can do this and you can see what's possible. That's my definition of success. And so I literally email you once a week, Monday afternoon. Hey, here's that newsletter that you need to write this week. Here's a template. You know, here's a video walkthrough of how to do it. Bada bing, bada boom. And so many people that are in it at this time, it's eight months old. I've got about 600 folks. It's incredible. They're like, I've never, I thank you. I've never been able to figure out email marketing. It's always seemed really complicated. You make it simple. Like this is crazy. And so think about when you've got whatever your digital product is or whatever you think it might be, if you're still creating one or even your offers, Mm -hmm. how can I actually deliver on what I'm promising. You know, if you're promising this awesome brand kit, how can you make it not only simple for yourself, but simple for your people? I think going back to Annie's original question, when we just think about our person and what they need, it's so much easier than, well, what should I create? Oh my God. What or the scope creep of like, well, one person told me that I have to make this whole new branch of my business. And it's like, y'all, that's not feedback. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> but you brought up pricing. And I love that because when your pricing is simple, people get it. And also, you know, and that's simple at high ticket or simple at low ticket. If you're allowing your mm-hmm. offer and your pricing to both be simple then the math is understandable. Then the value is understandable. And I I think a lot of people sort of lose that or, or pull away from that idea of that price point has to be understood, right? But in the, in the aspect of you, what's really funny about you talking about this whole thing about like keeping it simple and how much easier that is to grasp is that in one week, you were like everywhere in my world. Like Liz Teresa and all these other people were like sending me messages being like, you need Liz Wilcox on your show. And she's got this $9 membership. Every single person said $9 membership. Every single person said email marketing. And every single person said sync. Like, and I heard about you from like 15 people. Like, if that's not a clear brand, if all of these people that I know from all of these different, and yes, we're all in the same product ecosystem and blah, blah. But if in one week I'm getting hit up by multiple people in my network that don't even know each other saying $9 email membership in sync, Liz Wilcox, you need it. Like how much, what better evidence of that clarity and simplicity could there be than the own example I got by meeting you? Because you were everywhere instantly with complete clarity. I love that. So I'm going to do a fabulous thing that I've been waiting to do this whole time, Liz. And I'm going to ask you, um, 80s baby to 80s baby, I'm assuming. um, What the heck does any of this have to do 
with the boys of NSYNC. So this is actually a perfect segue. Um, so as a listener, I'm sure, uh, you know, you know, NSYNC, if you haven't Google, Google them right now, it's star. Yes. Star. star. N-S-Y-N-C, and their boy band, and their boy band from the late 90s, early 2000s, bye, 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 it's going to be me. And so when I was setting up my brand, so this is my third business, and my first business was the RV, I had this RV blog, and I was known, and Annie, you know, swallow your coffee you just took a drink out of, because I was known as the RV poop lady. Yes! that just makes me love you even more, Liz. I just keep falling oh, more and more in love with you every time you open your mouth. Tell me, RV poop lady, how did this happen? Sure. My my very first product was a book about poop. Well, really, it was a it was a tale. It was called Tales from the Black Tank, and it was a collection of hilarious, hilariously crappy RV stories. So, if you're not familiar with RVing, the black tank is where your sewage yes. goes, and. So I had branded myself as such and everyone, and I actually started getting recognized at campgrounds um, as the RV poop lady. What a dream. It actually was a nightmare. That's why I (laughs) sold the business. I actually, I have, you know, I have a master's degree in leadership. Uh, You know, I'm a really smart lady and I actually, in my personal life, don't care to talk about bowel movements. So I had pigeonholed myself into this brand that, you know, it was me. Like, obviously, you've listened to 45 minutes or however long we've been. You know, I've got a sense of humor, sure. But it was just, it it was time to move on. And so when I was thinking of the new brand, I was thinking of the people I wanted to talk to. Again, remembering who am I serving and what is going to make a quick connection with these folks. And I realized, uh, you know, oh my gosh, I love NSYNC. I had just fallen back in love with them, like maybe a year or two before. And I was started to like collect memorabilia. You can't see, but I've got three posters in the background. It's magnificent. I'm wearing JC Shazay earrings. I've got tell a Joey them why. Tell them, tell them about your earrings. Oh, the earrings are like when I want to slay the day, I wear JC Shazay. Okay. We love you, JC. <laughs> Come back to us, baby. We're sorry. Right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it was all about like, I want to make a quick connection. And just like Annie said, she just proved everything. Like I was like, yes, my plan is working. When people think of my brand, or I want people to think of my brand, even when they're not thinking about email marketing. So you're in the car, suddenly an instinct co- song comes on, you're thinking about Liz Wilcox. Suddenly you're thinking about, oh my gosh, did I send my newsletter or not? You know, when you're in the in the drop-off line to drop your kids off or you're at Target picking up shampoo, uh, you know, maybe they play just like Annie. You know, if you heard MC Hammer yes. on the radio, suddenly you're thinking about yes. Annie, right? So, um, so that it was part of the branding and also the way Annie was talking about, oh, I had three people you know, Liz Wilcox membership in sync, you need her on the podcast, like all of that. I've learned like looking at in sync and one direction and BTS and, uh, you know, O town and all these boy bands, like they, they're great marketers. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I mean, BTS is a freaking phenomenon. If in sync would have had the technical capabilities that BTS had, 
I can't even yeah. imagine. I don't know much about BTS other than they're huge right now. And now they're speaking in English. So they must be like absolutely like superstars. I'm still living in 1999. They're, they're really good masters of using their platform for good and also for hijinks. So like they use their TikTok to buy out a Trump rally so that it would be empty. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was a boy band. I remember that. Oh, that's BTS, baby. They're not even from this country. And they're like, hold on. Our people need us to take a stand here, right? But like, hold hold the mic. Hold the mic. But I just, <laughs> I think about that sometimes about like these, these sensations from the 90s, all of them, even like 98 degrees, like these sensations from the 90s were such identifiable brands that they have all this lasting power. And that was largely like not pre-internet we had like AOL and GeoCities at that point but like they it was pre it was pretty bare. smartphone pre-social yeah. media you know you would have to go to like literally com and get on like a forum yes they were total brands like oh my gosh I remember standing in line at McDonald's for over an hour to get the NSYNC and Britney Spears CD like, I was obsessed um, the same way people, you know, stand in line for sneakers, right? Boy bands, they know their audience, yes. right? They know they're not trying to talk to anybody but teenage girls, yes. okay? And they've got that right, you know, the right message for the right audience. Their songs are about love, about breakups, about you know, having a good time on the dance floor, choreographed moves, that's the right message for the right audience. And so like tying all of this in, you know, I wanted to make sure I had the right message for the right audience. For me, I goes all the way back to telling you, like, stop trying to tell stories. Like I know my audience feels overwhelmed by, by email marketing because every, the only advice out there is to tell stories and like sure that works of course I've told a billion stories already in 45 minutes mm-hmm. like it's true and it's it's fine advice but it's not very applicable or actionable yeah yeah like I'm coming on the scene I've got you know I've got this new message and like I'm ready to spread it right and so just the same way as you know in sync that the Backstreet Boys were there they were both created by Lou Pearlman but they're like you know they but <laughs> They separated themselves in a different way. You know, that's what you've got to do. You might be, you know, oh, I know there's a bunch of web designers out there. There's a bunch of healers. There's a bunch of this. Yeah. But if you've got your message down, Mm -hmm. then you've just got to go find your people. That's such a powerful point because literally all those boy bands were built with the exact same recipe. And yet the people that don't care about boy bands are like, I don't know the difference between NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And then you say that to someone who cares and they're like, you are a flaming moron. Like shots fired. Shots fired. Like then, okay, who sent that email? Rob? Like it's, it, it's ridiculous. We're like, what? No, they're totally different. But that is the same thing. I love that you drew that conclusion to like, or that connection to, well, there are so many healers out there. There are so many coaches out there. Yeah, InSync, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, One Direction, they're all built on the same formula, and they're all ravenously distinct fan bases that will fight each other about how different they are. Like, okay, cool, differentiation is possible, even in a formulaic industry. And I think that that's just crazy powerful. I think, you know, you brought up when... They used to trot Brit out. And number one, Brit, 
love of my life. I'm so glad that you are out from under your horrible piece of shit, dad. But I think one thing that they they also did is they knew who to partner with that would delight people in their audience. And so, you know, I always remember the, I think it was the VMAs where sync is there and then Brit comes out and everybody like loses their mind. And then Brittany used to do the same oh thing where like God. Brittany would be singing and then like suddenly like Lance would show up and you'd be like, what's happening? And then they'd all be there and you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. It's not just sync, it's Brittany, right? Like and all of this whole thing. And I think we have those people too that we can pull from and collaborate with that also speak to our audience. And that takes some pressure off of us. Yeah. So collabs are definitely something that I got from those early 2000s boy bands and pop. And now hip hop is so good at doing collaborations. Like, I don't know if you've seen the announcement for the Super Bowl this year. It's Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. And Mary J. Blige. Okay, Annie, pick up your jaw. I know it's going to be. I never thought they could top the NSYNC, Britney, Aerosmith. Oh uh, but this is this is going to be the best. So look at pop culture. Like, they do collaborations so oh, wow. well. And if you, if you look at, like, I guess the history of Liz Wilcox, my very first product, I told you Tales from the Black Tank, I didn't actually create that book. I wrote one chapter. And I had 12 other bloggers submit chapters and they got 50% commission of whatever they sold. <laughs> and it just was under my That's brand. so okay? wild because my first two books were also collaborative projects that I spearheaded. Oh, so I'm like, yep, you're speaking my language now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, like even look at NSYNC, like Justin Timberlake obviously went out and started his own thing, but he started in that formula. Like, okay, I need... Chris Kirkpatrick actually was the creator of NSYNC and he was like, okay, I need this, you know, I don't, I'm not a musician, but he's, he was, you know, the tenor. He's like, I need a bass. Yeah. I need, I need like a this. super falsetto. I need like a sexy Kevin Richardson type. Right. Role. And, right. And then he was able, you know, they all went and did their own thing. So like, if you're even thinking about, if you don't have a product yet, or you're thinking about your next product, like why not do it with people and share your audience? Like that's awesome. Yes. Yes. And then the challenge in that is keeping it simple, right? So not letting the collaboration turn into scope creep, not letting it snowball into some giant thing. Like you're there to solve a problem, keep it simple, keep it lean, but still you can bring in others without overcomplicating the situation. Freaking oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, if you want to do a summit, maybe just do a one day summit and just have five other speakers. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that something you've done As opposed to, to like, 50 speakers like you said your first collaborative book had like 12 people my first collaborative book as a chronic overcomplicator had 50 and I think the next book had 60 because I'm insane but that was also like seven years ago I think I've gotten leaner since then I think I've gotten less afraid to be simple since then yeah even um what I've been doing lately are um, like paid live trainings. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, Annie, can you come in and talk about X? Uh, Let's charge $50 and we'll split it 50%, whatever we sell. I'll, I'll promote it to my audience. You promote it to your audience. And you know, if we sell a thousand dollars, you get 500, I get 500, whatever. Right. Again, super simple. simple. 
simple math, simple value prop, easy to understand, easy to commit to, like keeping that so clear. All right. What haven't I asked you about boy bands that you just need to tell me? Well, Chris Kirkpatrick is my favorite. And the reason why he's my favorite, I'm I'm so glad you asked this. So I love Chris Kirkpatrick because he is, to me, the most inspirational. Like, if you don't remember what he looks like, please Google him. He had braces. He had pineapple dreads. Um, Even now, he just turned 40, or I'm sorry, he just turned 50, uh, like, nine days ago. And Happy birthday, Chris. Yeah. And- But, you know, like Justin Timberlake still is not even 40 years old, right? So let me tell you why I love Chris Kirkpatrick, and hopefully you can get some inspiration from this too. So Chris Kirkpatrick started the band, and he grew up pretty poor with a single mom. And he was living in Orlando. He was going to a community college there. But he he was going to school with like Howie and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think there was another person that was in the Backstreet Boys at the time. And he was like, that's what I really want to do. And he kept trying to get a band together for Lou Pearlman. And it kept falling apart, you know, as collaborations sometimes do, you know. Yeah. But he never gave up. And then you see him on stage. Like, if you look at their very first videos, like, you know, Joey Fatone is like this, you know, Italian stallion. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> J.C. Chazay is just like smoking hot. Justin is this little cutie. Right. And then you see Chris, who's clearly older than everybody. Well, I guess he didn't look that much older, but he's older. He's he, older. He looks like he could be in like Nirvana or in sync, right? Like he's just this very typical 90s guy. I was going to say, he looks like the 1990s. Yeah. Like he's not this younger generation, right? Mm-mm. But for me, what got me was like he didn't look like he belonged, but he was still out there singing his ass off. He had Mm -hmm. this voice of an angel. He was busting Mm -hmm. a move just right alongside J.C. Chazay and Justin Timberlake. And he owned every second of it. And for me, when I grew up, I was the outcast. Like, people didn't like me. I was, like, gross skinny. I wouldn't speak to anyone. I was listening to, like, music from the 1970s. You know, I wore bell bottoms. And to see him you know, with his earrings and his braces and his pineapple dreads next to someone like J.C. Chazay, who was like clearly the epitome of cool in 1998. I was like, well, if he can be comfortable being who he is next to all these other like smoking hotties, Mm -hmm. maybe I can be comfortable doing my thing too. And the more that I learned and that, and so when you think about like yourself and you're, you know, we all get trapped or we all get trapped in like that comparison thing where it's like, oh, well, my marketing's not as good as hers. I don't have a cool headband like Liz. I, I don't have, you know, the resources that that healer has. I don't have the technology that that web designer has. But if you can just be who you are, be comfortable standing next to all these other people, like that's when success comes. That's when, you know, you get people like, yeah. Annie saying like, oh, everyone was telling me about you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got to reach out, you know, mm-hmm. but at first you've just got to be comfortable with who you are, where you're at and what you bring to the table. Oh God, I love that. All right. On that perfect note, I have two more quick questions for you. One of them is you have to have the subject line of your next email be an instinct lyric. 
what is that subject line? I want you back. And I would send it to people that aren't opening my emails. Yes. Or it's going to be me, parentheses, uh, for your email marketing needs, something I like that. that. I love I want you back. I like it as like the re-engagement segmentation often. Like, how often do you want to hear from me? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, clearly, you have dropped so much brilliance, so much uniqueness, so much truth for us today, Liz. And I'm so grateful I know that our team wants to learn from you, wants to learn more about you, and has got to hear about that $9 membership. So Liz, how do our listeners get into your world? Sure. So obviously, I'm an email marketer. I want you to join my email list. If you go to LizWilcox.com, the first thing you'll notice is the Save by the Bell theme. So you're welcome. (laughs) The second thing you'll notice is a top or in the top right-hand corner, there's a hot pink button. It says free email swipe. So if you are one of those people that just feels really overwhelmed and you're not sure how to even like start getting people on your list or, you know, like how to welcome them, I've got an entire welcome sequence. I've got three newsletter examples and 52 subject lines. You can sign up. You can get all that for free. Um, Because I mean, like I said, I really am on a freaking mission to make sure you know how to make this work for you. Um, and you can get started really quickly. Like I already wrote the emails, the strategy is already in place. Like just take out my in-sync love and put in whatever you want to sprinkle in. Um, if you, if you are interested, if you already are building your list, you know, you think, oh, well, I just need to be more consistent. I do recommend getting in the $9 membership. Like I literally write a newsletter every single week. It comes with a skeleton outline for you to see what the heck's inside of it, a template and two swipes. So two A plus examples of what this could look like for different types of businesses. Sometimes I'll write it for like, this is for you if you're a food blogger. This is for you if you are a web designer. This is for you if you're an e-commerce. This is for you if you're, you know, a grief coach. Like I do two different examples every single week. It's nine bucks. You can get in, try it out, uh, you know, see if you like it and cancel if you don't. You know, I'm not going to charge you again. You just got to say, hey, this isn't for me. I mean, I'm signing up the second we hit stop. So listeners, I encourage you to do the same thing. Let's figure out this email thing together under Liz's perfect care. Uh, So that website again, Liz, was? LizWilcox.com. In the top right-hand corner, you can get those free swipes. Um, Or if you want to join the membership, just click the Get DIY Help. It's the first product right there. And also inside the membership, I forgot to mention, I do have a list building training and an email staircase training, which is my um, framework that takes you from follower to customer in just two easy steps. I am the perfect age to be lucky enough to have gone to a bunch of like pavilion and arena shows of NSYNC. And let me tell you today, Liz, interviewing you has been a joy on that level. Thank you so much for bringing your brain to my show today and those fabulous JC earrings. I loved having you here. Thank you so much, Annie. I can't wait to see what you and everybody does with email marketing. Yay! Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Spoiler, there's going to be email. Well, hey there, listeners. 
You know what? I changed my mind. Your homework this week doesn't involve any emailing unless you choose for it to. Instead, I'd love us both to focus on one of the other major truth bombs that Liz dropped, that we all have a wild tendency to overcomplicate things in our businesses. Listen, our intentions are good. Lean into our uniqueness, over-deliver, leave the competition in the dust, rock the client's socks off. But that's sort of like going to a froyo place and putting every single topping on your frozen yogurt. The flavors clash at first and at best, but ultimately blend into sort of an overwhelming, indescribable blob. It gets away from you. Plus, all those toppings drive the weight way up and therefore the price. It's simply too much. No judgment here, y'all. I have built so many products, programs, and campaigns like this. I have spent hours pacing the floor and dreaming up more, 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 instead of focusing on the simplicity and the power of what I can provide. And the result was more, more stress for me, more confusion for my clients and more objections from my prospects. This week, our homework, as I said, I'm certainly joining you, is to simplify one of your marketing campaigns, products, or pieces of writing. What feels bloated or heavy-handed? How many times are you saying the same sentence different ways, barely? What special perk are you bending over backward to deliver that your client doesn't really care about or maybe even notice? How can your brilliant brain flow into a streamlined process? And how can we all keep our eye on the prize? Personally, I'm looking forward to the extra space this will create in my business. I just signed up for Liz's membership, so who knows? Maybe this time I'll actually send a damn email. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the non sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it, unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Horbastio. And my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.